16 million colors. Make some havoc in your head. Welcome to Titan Cash, your home for Sega Saturn news, commentary, personal stories, and more. My name's Samuel, the Southern Sega Gentleman. With me today, we have our beloved Father K, as well as our West Coast correspondent, the virtual schlub, Brian. So, today we figured we'd uh, go ahead and give you part two of our budget buying guide. You know, the under $200 entry fee for getting into the Sega Saturn, because everybody knows games for the Sega Saturn are like gold. So... With all that being said, before we get to the meat and potatoes and everything, we figured we'd go over a little bit of news. And for that, I'm going to drop you over to Father K. Okay, hello there, everyone. Um, I guess the biggest news that we had at the end of the year and the start of the new one was the Titan cast with the uh, Sanshiro boys as well, which was excellent, the, the mega Titan cast. Um, but the biggest news for me at the moment, I guess, is uh, hearing that we have the approval and patronage of... Um, Dreamcast Junkyard founder Tom Charner, who uh, has said some very complimentary things about the blog and the podcast and the whole Saturn Junkyard scene. So we're very pleased to have his blessing. And uh, I guess that's my biggest news so far this year. All right. So anything coming out of you, Brian? Uh, nope. No, I lead a very boring and uneventful life, at least so far in 2018. <laughs> that's real good to know, brother. Um <laughs> Well, at least stuff that's not related to Saturn. I mean, I got, you know, I broke my leg a couple months ago. Now I'm in a boot, walking a bit more, able to get over to more game shops. So, you know, I'll turn that around. Uh, let me just t tell you a little bit more. We've also had the Sexy Snaps Challenge. We're going to be talking about sex very soon. Uh, that's the, <laughs> the used video game store, not the act of carnal knowledge of each other. Um, yeah, just need to distinguish that a little bit. Yeah, I, I thought that was wise. Um but we're also um, going to be doing, uh, we were doing, sorry, the Sega Tour Touring Car Championship Challenge over at the Saturn Junkyard Facebook page, which proved to be quite controversial and a little bit difficult. Um, Sega Touring Car is the perhaps most difficult of the Sega uh, driving games. And it's it's been certainly an interesting journey along the Sega Touring Car Highway Um it's it's a very difficult game. We've had some big help from David Lee from the um, Sagata Sanshiro podcast. He he's he's there helping all of us to get a little bit better at Sega Touring Sega Touring Car. But uh, yeah, that's been the challenge so far this year, and it's been a difficult one. Yeah, with extra emphasis on the challenge. I think with that game, I mean honestly, like my brain just can't can't grasp what's happening with, with the way the frame rates and that the way that game feels yet you kind of like just i don't know sit back and let muscle memory kind of kick in and and i think that helps a little bit it's tricky sure is tricky roger that roger that on top of that boys we also have um me and patrick from the shiro guys of course at the time of this recording it's not happened yet but, but by the time the recording drops everybody will hear it but me and the Sh uh, shiro guys pat's particularly we're going to play uh, the U.S. unreleased version of Deep Fear. So if you haven't got a chance to see it by the time the podcast drops out, you can always catch it over up on the YouTube channel, The Saturn Junkyard on YouTube. We don't have our own URL yet, but if you subscribe and watch us, guess what? We might very well do it. So with all the news out of the way, let's go ahead and get into this. So last 
not last podcast, of course we had the mega cast, but the cast before that, we were talking about part one of our $200 buying guide, budget buying guide. And uh, each one of us has dropped down three titles. If you haven't heard it, go over there and take a listen first. And we figured that, you know, it was about time that we go ahead and put out part two. So with that being said, we're going to run through the numbers just like we used to. And at the very end of it all, we're going to give you a total budget. Of course, Simon is going to blow us out of the water. But (laughs) with all that being said, Simon, give it to us. Okay. Well, as everybody knows, I was perhaps you might call cautious with my money last time. Uh, Some people might say stingy. And I was looking at games that cost £2 Sega Rally um, or £1.50 Sega Worldwide Soccer. So I didn't really spend an awful lot of money. I managed to buy three games and a steering wheel for about £15 last time. But I'm going to uh, push the boat out a little this time. My first game is Street Fighter Alpha 2. Uh, and I'm talking about a PAL copy from, of course, Sex, uh, which is a retro gaming shop um, in England and Europe. And I think there's a couple over in America too. Uh, so Street Fighter Alpha 2 is, of course, a fabulous Capcom uh, 2D fighter and it's um, coming in at £15 boxed now I have to say that boxed means that it's um, you're not sure what condition it's going to come in I actually bought a boxed ver- version of Burning Rangers for £80 and the mint version was £93 now the version I actually got which was boxed was was perfect it was absolutely fine but i have seen them from sex absolutely battered with no manual so you never know what you're gonna get if you want to get a mint copy of street fighter alpha 2 it's going to cost you 30 pounds but i would take a chance and just go for the box copy and that's 15 pounds with one pound 50 postage you can't go wrong with street fighter alpha i i i really wasn't familiar with 2d brawlers up until really 2017 um, but in terms of 2D Brawler, Street Fighter Alpha is perhaps the best. It's It's got all of the characters from Street Fighter Alpha in Street Fighter Alpha 2, but you get a few bonus characters. You get M. Bison, Akuma, and Dan available from the get-go. And you also get my favourite uh, character from the whole Street Fighter series, which is Dalsin. And you get Zangief, and you get a new character called Sakura. So got a good roster of characters you've got some great backgrounds you've got a fantastic fighting system and for 15 pound for a pal copy of that i don't think you can go wrong 15 pound and one pound 50 postage from sex so that's my first choice and it's my first 2d fighter of the night but not the last awesome awesome sound glad to hear it so uh brian what you got for us it's so it's a little known pinball game actually maybe not it's actually a lot of people seem to be uh catching on to it but it's uh it's called necronomicon for uh that for the saturn uh released as far as i know only in japan and uh it is basically the combination of of pure virtual pinball with metal uh, and, and and that's pretty much it. It has like kind of an overall occult kind of theme to it, and it's a lot of fun to play. I think it has like three boards, um, and you're you know really there's just a lot of opportunity to uh, to just rack up a bunch of you know multi ball uh, jackpots and all sorts of uh, 
I don't know, like mini rounds and whatnot. But it's it's pretty fun. The soundtrack is really the highlight. Um, and, and this was, uh, well, at least like some of the tracks, I think the intro and the ending track, uh, they were both uh, composed by John Petrucci of, of uh, a Dream Theater. And um, it's just really good. Uh, the cinematics, like it's it's just, I don't know, it like really... Uh, it really goes all in on kind of this just occult sort of feel, and, and it's uh, it's pretty fun. It's just a fun pinball game, um, and it's and it's fairly simple too, but very addicting. I don't want to cut across uh, Brian's choice there, but I just received that exact game this week, and I'm going to second everything he said. The the cinematics are incredible. The opening sequence for the game has uh, a film of a monk walking through a churchyard and it's it's fabulous with this metal soundtrack grinded away and the graphics i have to say are amongst the crispest and most beautiful i've ever seen on the on the satin the actual ball physics as well is outstanding but sorry to cut across you there bright no no that i mean yeah i mean ball physics are something that's really tricky for a lot of these uh pinball games and i think uh, necronomicon is one of the few that do that really well um, that make it feel pretty pretty realistic in that sense. You know, uh, I've never had the chance to actually sit down and play Necronomicon. I've seen loads of videos about it. But, you know, going to mine, I had to pick up something from Treasure. Everybody loves Treasure. Um, whether it be, you know, Radiant Silver Gun or whether it be uh, Bulk Slash, whatever the case is, they put out some awesome games. But uh, I figured, and it's kind of... You know, everybody talks about it, but Guardian Heroes. And you can pick up uh, the Japanese version of Guardian Heroes for $45 USD. Um, if you haven't noticed, it's a side scroll and beat em up. Some people like to call it a RPG. It's not really an RPG, it's just got RPG elements in it. There's uh, 45 characters you can unlock in the game, with three of them being pre- pretty difficult to get. On top of that, you've got five possible endings through 30 stages. Um, you never really play through more than 10 stages at any given playthrough. So there's a lot of replayability and a lot of branching paths. In fact, David from the Shiro guys posted up a, uh, it was a PDF of, I don't know if it was a magazine insert, but it shows you all the many paths that you can take in that game. And it is ridiculous for replayability. Um, the only issue with the Japanese version, of course, is dialogue and the actual in-game text is all Japanese. So at that point, it basically just becomes a brawler. So keep that in mind if you actually want to pick up the Japanese version for cheap. On top of that, the game actually it, it has a three-plane fighting system where there's three different planes to each level. And unlike you know a lot of other beat-em-ups where the up and down button are actually controlling you going up and down on the screen, such as like Streets of Rage and everything, you actually use the shoulder buttons to go back and forth between these levels. So it, it, it kind of drives things a little bit differently gamepad-wise. On top of that, the, the fighting mechanics are really simpler, similar to a brawler, like, uh, like again, Streets of Rage and such, or even really, it's kind of got like some Street Fighter is kind of going to it, the, the feeling and the vibe at least. Um, you get experience from killing the enemies, and uh, at the end of every level, you can use that experience to upgrade your stats, the RPG element. You've got your strength, you've got your vitality, uh, your intelligence, mentality, um, agility, and I believe luck. So, I mean, there is a degree of leveling up your character, at least in the sense of being able to RPG-wise character development. 
But the game, not only not only play style and everything else, but the game is absolutely beautiful. It has some awesome 2D graphics going on. The sprites are amazing. This game is what the Saturn was designed to do. It is a 2D powerhouse, and this game is no joke whenever it comes to that. Whether it be through CRT, whether it be through emulation, whether it be through upscaling or line doubling through the FrameMeister OCC, this game is beautiful, and if you don't have a copy already, you know you ain't got to go out there and spend a hundred plus bones on the U.S. copier uh, PAL version. Just grab the Japanese release, enjoy a little bit of hack 'em up, beat 'em up, slash 'em up, whatever brawler, however you want to call it, and uh, have yourself a good old time. Okay, I also think it's uh, worth pointing out, Sam, that you can actually download that for the 360 or the PS4. If you're one of our listeners that is unfortunate not to have a Saturn at this present time, you can get it on the 360 and on the PS Network. So, a great game, great game. Very um, true. Not okay, I'm going to come in with my day, second so. choice now, which is uh, Sexy Parodius, a shmup. Um, again, like 2D brawlers I, and, and fighters, it's an unfamiliar genre to me, uh, shmups. Something that I only really discovered last year. And I feel quite foolish saying this. People are going to think this guy's been into the Saturn for so long. Why does why are all these things new to him? But that's what's intriguing me so much at the moment is there are so many new experiences out there. Okay, so Sexy Parodius is quite hard to describe. It's a Konami uh, side-scrolling shooter with various stages and boss battles and uh, different missions throughout each stage. But where to begin describing this game it is really difficult. The characters are bizarre. The uh, landscapes that you fly through are bizarre. Um, you're going to see floating women taking a bath. That's the sexy element of it. There's something a little sexy to each of the levels here. Um, you're going to see all kinds of food flying around, different animals flying around. We're not talking about space and um, starships here. We're talking the weirdest thing. The characters are a pig, an octopus, a stick man. Uh, a bunny girl riding a rocket. It's just absolutely insane, and that's what makes it so fabulous. It's a beautiful-looking game, absolutely beautiful, but it's insane, and you will just have such fun playing it. Um, I have to have lots of continues to get through this game. Um, it, it can be difficult. Obviously, you level up as you're going through. If, if, if you get different... Um, if you shoot various things, they give you boosters that you fly through, and it, it you know it's the same as many many shmups that you've seen before. But what is so strange is the is the landscapes that you fly through, the characters that you use. Uh, but it's fun, it's addictive, it's just perhaps the best uh, side-scrolling shooter I've played on the Saturn. It's part of a series. There's a whole series of Parodius games, but Sexy Parodius. If you're going to buy it, uh, for once, this is not from sets. This is off eBay UK. Um, and it's an imported Japanese game, and it's £33, so that's absolutely perhaps the most expensive game that Father K is going to recommend in this particular episode. £33 is way over my budget usually, uh, but I think it's worth it for this game. £4 postage from eBay. Um, any of the Parodius games are going are to tickle your fancy. Uh, any of the Parodius games are going to make you laugh and make you smile, but I think Sexy Parodius is the best and if you want an example of weird on the sat can't do better than that so 33 pound import on ebay and four pound postage so to clarify uh just so i'm clear there there's no uh, relation between the sexy 
Parodius or or the sex game shop spelled with an S, not a C, right? Absolutely correct, Brian. I'm glad you pointed that out. Yeah, no, sexy Parodius is really sexy, whereas sex is anything but sexy. It's it's awful, and, and we discussed that at length on the uh, Facebook page. So get over there and find out why we are so bitter about sex in the UK. That's the storm of the app. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, y'all boys got some problems over there, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're also quite bitter about sex, but that's just part of our national hang-up. We, we, we better press on. All right, I guess I'm next then. Uh, let's see. Well, okay. So my next uh, pick is is a game that's definitely been inching up uh, in price over the last few years, uh, particularly in North America. But it, it's so worth it uh, to buy the Japanese version, which is a lot cheaper of uh, Panzer Dragoon Zwei or or Zwei or or two do I don't know what however you Zway. want to say it. Is it Zway? Zway. Okay. Zway. Okay. Anyway, uh, it's one of my favorite games on the Saturn, and um, and really just the first thing you'll notice when you pop it in is it's it's just a technical marvel, um, and it's a really just perfectly rounded 3D on rails shooting game. Um, if you're familiar with uh, the original Panzer Dragoon or or maybe even Orta uh, on the Xbox, it's you know it it plays a lot more like those. Um, certainly, Saga was the the RPG departure from from that formula, but um, I think uh, Zue did it uh, better than everything uh, than all of them, um, honestly. And it just runs and controls super smoothly. It has a has a really high frame rate and and much larger environments than the original game. Um, really gorgeous like character and asset designs and, and it really is one of the most impressive titles um, for the Saturn uh, visually um, and the soundtrack is awesome too um, and you're you're basically going through the game and you have your dragon which starts out as like a little baby fledgling thing and then it, it, it evolves over the course of, of the game um, adding new attributes and it becomes a little more powerful uh, with each level um, and, you know, you kind of go from just walking or running around uh, where it, can, it can't even really fly at the beginning of the game to just being a massive soaring uh, beast uh, later on. Um, and the game's really heavy in its atmosphere. I mean, it has it kind of strikes this balance between it, the mystical, ancient, you know, technology with uh, with this looming empire. And it has kind of like this this kind of desolate feeling uh, for a lot of the, the levels. Um, and it uses open space and, and kind of the, uh, a little bit of uh, ambience to, to build tension um, in between certain uh, sections of the game, like you know, right before boss battles. And, and I really think it just helps underscore um, a, lot of, a lot of that atmosphere admirably. Um, and uh, there's also the level designs are really cool because not only are they varied, you know, you have canyons and, and like uh, your you know dense forests and caves and and like you know ancient ruins and stuff, um, but you also have uh, multiple paths that you can take within each um, by usually by like killing a boss or killing all the right enemies quick enough, um, and then that allows you to unlock uh, certain uh, alternate paths that really help. Um, increase the uh, replay value a bit too. And, and later on, after you beat the game, you can go back and, and play a lot of the, um, the previous levels as well with your upgraded dragon, which is a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, I can't, I can't recommend uh, it enough. It's, it's one of my favorite games on the Saturn for sure. Most definitely, most definitely. So 
for my second pick. If you haven't already seen it, go over to the YouTube channel and uh, take a look at the Gun Griffin series review. So, we're going to talk about mechs. I absolutely love mechs. I am a child of the 90s. I was, I was brought up watching anime and Gundam and giant robot fighting. And I hate to say it, but even Power Rangers. So, whenever it comes to giant robots, I love everything about it. And in my opinion, the very best game on the Saturn whenever it comes to giant robots is the Gun Griffin series, particularly the first game. I'm one of the people who actually likes Gun Griffin 1 more so than Gun Griffin 2. Now, you can pick this copy up for $60 USD in the American, North American release, but if you don't have a problem playing it in Japan, which there's practically no barrier whatsoever except for maybe the storyline, which you can always pick that up later, you can pick this thing up for $15 USD shipped. Okay, now the game itself, yeah, first person, straight out of the cockpit, um, control basis I go over in the YouTube video. It's very simple, very intuitive. If you are accustomed to playing games like Mech Warrior and such, it's not going to be an issue whatsoever. Um, there is eight playable levels, basically four levels, and they're just slightly different. But um, the gameplay itself is set into a little battle arena of sorts. And the worst part about it is whenever you get close to the boundary, it just starts screaming and hollering at you with all these beeping and buzzing, and it's just irritating as hell. But uh, you pilot an AUG. You are a member of the American Expeditionary Force. The year is 2015, or the year is 2050-something, depending on if you got the North American or the Japanese release. They did a story revision for whatever reason. Um, you pilot an AUG. Uh, armored walking gun system. It is a giant robot that has the ability to hit on thrusters, drop the wheels, and skirt across the ground. It is ridiculously awesome. Uh, I just I get the heebie-jeebies thinking about it. But you have numerous types of weapons. You've got scatter guns. You've got basic machine guns. You've got rifles. You've got rockets. You fight against enemy. Uh, you fight against enemy. Uh, I can't remember what the name of it was called. Went completely mind blank right there. Um, but you have enemy mechs. The enemy mech types. Enemy mechs. Yeah, enemy mechs. You have enemy mech types and they have a specific name and I'm not going to get all technical, but you fight them. You also fight tanks. You have general objectives like taking out truck supplies, knocking out bases. It's just, it's, it's a real fun game, pick up and play wise. And the main purpose of it isn't really so much to get to the end of the story but to get the highest score on every single level. So there is a lot of replayability because honestly, the gameplay as intuitive as it is, it's really hard to master. So yeah, you can jump in the game and roll with it, but if you're on normal difficulty, you're still gonna get your butt wiped across the ground, I promise you, um, especially in the later stages. So if you need to, drop it down to the easier mode, get some practice into it, get your scores up there, then go over the normal. And if you're really like me and you're a glutton for punishment, drop it up to the highest setting and just get your ass creamed by everything in the first three levels until you've you know, got it memorized where everybody's at. But if you're a fan of uh, arcade kind of simulation mech style gameplay or you just want to blow some stuff up, dude, pick you up a copy of Gun Griffin for $15 USD imported from Japan. And if you really like it, you can always pick up Gun Griffin too. It isn't, but much more. Yeah, and uh, thanks to your YouTube video, I, I was compelled to just... I really felt like I had no choice. I, I had to buy both. Dude, it's, it's an awesome series. It really is an awesome series, and if you haven't gotten into it, you need to. Not to mention, uh, Gun Griffin 2 has uh, playability with the twin sticks, so 
I mean, I'm getting a little off topic, but it is a great game to get into. If you haven't picked up a copy, pick you up a copy, enjoy you some mech love, and become a part of the base that is the Saturn Junkyard. Uh, yeah, they should. Uh, somebody should come out with a peripheral that lets you uh, connect the Steel Battalion Xbox controller, but 40 buttons or 70 buttons or whatever. Uh, that might that might do the trick. Yeah, my wife is going to hate you if she ever hears you talking to me, trying to sell me <laughs> on this freaking controller that costs like $150, $200. So, yeah. Okay, like You, you like know Brian. you'll buy it. <laughs> sorry, Simon. No, I'm sorry. Um, like Brian, I was compelled to purchase a copy of Gun Griffin. And um, I think what's happening with ourselves, with Sam, with Brian, with Nuno, our uh, missing podcaster... I think one of the things that we do is when we speak about games, when when Brian and Sam and Nuno make videos, it's really their enthusiasm shines through and it makes us all want to buy the games that we speak about. So I bought Gun Griffin because of Sam's recommendation. I bought Zap Snowboarding because of Brian's re- uh, recommendation. And I bought Dragonheart and uh, Super KO Flying Squadron because of Nuno's recommendation. Uh, one of the games I also bought because of, of Sam's recommendation was SimCity 2000. I haven't really got into that. That's what he calls his sleeper game. Uh, I have a sleeper game too. And my sleeper game is Casper. Uh, and I'm going to talk about that now. This is my next choice of game. It's a sleeper game because you wouldn't really normally get into it. it, it it's one of those games that uh, the scarcity of Saturn games around the mid-90s in the gaming stores led me to have I wouldn't have had it if there was a bigger stock of games, but I, I guess it was the only one in the store that day because I brought home Casper. I wasn't a fan of the 1995 movie, uh, which it's tied in with, and it's not the usual sort of game that I would buy. However, I got so into it. It's it's one of the only two games that I have on Saturn and PlayStation as well because I had to have it on, on two consoles. Anyway, I'm going to tell you a little bit about Casper. It's a movie tie-in game published by Interplay in 1996. And it's, I guess, what you would call a, a sort of top view action um, action game. You sort of, you're looking down, it's a sort of 2.5D uh, perspective. You're looking down on the um, layout of a mansion called Whipstaff Manor, where the titular Casper is a ghost and... This is the story, and I know it's going to sound absolutely ridiculous, but basically, Casper's very lonely. He's persecuted by his three uncles, Fatso, Stinky, and Stretch, uh, and he meets uh, a professor and his daughter uh, who have produced something called the Lazarus Machine. It has given Casper the chance to become a real boy again and not a ghost, and so the game revolves around you moving through Whipstaff Manor as Casper, collecting parts of the Lazarus machine in the hopes of restoring your life. Now, I know that sounds absolutely insane. I, I, I can't really explain my love for this game other than the fact that it's compelling. It, it, you have to find parts for this machine. You have to move through the mansion. The mansion starts off as looking quite small, but it expands as you discover new areas of it, getting bigger and bigger and bigger and it's it's huge and you, you have to go through air vents as smoke you have various powers that you pick up along the way so Casper can travel through air vents as smoke he can turn into a ball and bounce over high windows uh, he can turn into a saw and cut down blocked doors um, 
I don't know if I'm sounding insane saying all this, but it, it, it kept me occupied for hours and hours and hours in my first stage of Saturn Love in the mid-90s. And at the time, and again, this is going to make me seem like such an idiot, but I had no idea about the CR uh, battery that you put into the Saturn. I had no idea about memory cards for the Saturn. So I used to leave, leave my Saturn on for hours and days at a time while I played Casper with no ability to save what I was doing. And um, I used to draw maps uh, of the mansion on paper because that was the only way I could remember to get around it. I've never completed the game in 20 years. Uh, but anyway, it's it's a game I'm kind of slightly obsessed with. Uh, if you want to buy it and uh, be slightly obsessed and strange like me, it's going to set you back about £10 for a boxed version, which, of course, from sex means that you don't know what condition it's going to come in. If you want a mint copy, that's going to set you back about £22, and it's uh, £1.50 for postage. Um, I can't really say too much about it. I think I've probably said far too much already, but uh, it's a great game. It really is. For a, for a kid's game, it's actually very difficult. If it was tied in for a movie that's aimed at sort of seven, eight-year-olds, then uh, the game certainly is is more taxing than, again, as everybody on the Sound Junkyard Facebook page knows, I'm not the best game in the world, so... I hope I didn't speak too long about that one. That's my number three choice. And I have to say before you go, Brian, that um, I was actually watching that movie the other night with my daughter, who you might hear in the background every now and then. She's about 16 months old. Um, I absolutely loved that movie growing up, but that I just had to say that. Yeah, I also have it's to not, say... It's not actually too bad. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's well, that had, what, Bill Pullman and Christina Ricci? In it, as, yes, uh, the yes. daughter in there. It's such a crush up on that girl as a kid. <laughs> uh, yeah, and Bill Pullman was in. He was in Spaceballs, and uh, he was the president in Independence Day. I think so. You see, everybody loves the movie, and everybody actually owns the game. They, they, Brian yeah. and Sam both have a copy of that. They just aren't admitting to it right now. <laughs> uh, well, actually, I don't. But damn it, Simon! I think uh, yet another very enthusiastic description of it is kind of made me add uh, that to the list of games I need to buy. You know what? I think we need to just uh, talk about shittier games. Uh, and I think that'll... <laughs> Dude, that'll everybody wants to talk about the high-class games, but at the end of the day, man, there is so much, like, it's not shovelware. It seems like trash, but the 90s was awesome, man. I just, I loved it. Um, okay, so unfortunately, I'm also, my next pick is also not a trash game. Uh, in fact, it's a very highly sought-after game, um, and it goes for way too much money uh, for the North American and PAL versions, and that is a Saturn Bomberman. Um, and the reason that I would put it on this list of our, our uh, budget-ish uh, picks uh, is that the Japanese version is still way, way cheaper. Um, at least uh, as of last month when I looked up the prices, it was like, it's running about 35 uh under under forty dollars at least, uh, maybe maybe it's more now. But holy crap, um, it's it's just an awesome game. I don't know how much in depth I need to go. It's it's just really the the classic Bomberman formula. If you're familiar with that, um, in in really its best form on the Saturn, um, and it has up to ten players multiplayer. Um, I haven't actually played it that way yet, although I, I want to. In the net, uh, you know there. Uh, 
that you know you got you, i think you just have to get two of the multi-taps or whatever they're called for the saturn um and you can hook up to 10 controllers for it and uh it's just uh but really even just two-player it's an awesome game um you kind of go through the there's a campaign stage or a campaign mode where you go through a series of themed stages which range from like a you know carnival theme park to like a haunted house and a japanese rock garden um and temple and stuff um and the music is it's really interesting because it's 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 really good and it, it but it's kind of calming it's kind of, it's just a little bit of uh kind of just a chill relaxing um you know groove but it's 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 juxtaposed by just how crazy and frantic and stressful the action can be on screen especially when you have like a lot of enemies or multiplayer and stuff going on where everybody's just blowing up everything everywhere and you know i'm not really that good at this game i like uh i mean i blow myself up probably half the time um i i think and it's just but it's, it's so much fun and i you know i can't really recommend it enough and so for anyone who, who wants just an awesome uh multiplayer frantic uh chaotic fun experience on the saturn um definitely pick up the japanese version of this if you can man i I, I can't tell you how many times I used to play Saturn Bomberman back in the day. It, it wasn't ten player or multiplayer, at least. I mean, we were. It was me and a couple of other buddies, maybe four people max. But uh, that game, that, that for the time, that was a very, very enjoyable game. In fact, in my opinion, one of the best Bombermans that was ever made. Um, back on to uh, my next choice, we're going to talk about a two D fighter. You know, I, I had my three D fighter with uh, Dead or Alive, but King of Fighters '97 is, in my opinion, the best King of Fighters. Now, you might disagree with me. That's fine. Um, a lot of people love 95. A lot of people love 96. In my opinion, 97 is the best one. And the reason being is is that it actually integrates. Um, it, it gives you an option, okay? For, I'll kind of go over the details of the game a little bit. But you've got 38 playable characters, okay? Now, granted, it's not 38 different characters. It's 38 characters you can play. Some of them are variations on each other. Um, there, if you're not familiar with King of Fighters, it's based on teams. It's a tournament. Well, there's nine teams, and two of the characters are actual single entries in the tournament. You've got six bosses that uh, end end of game bosses basically. Once you've gone through the entire tournament, there's uh, ten primary stages you play through. Um, there's six alternate stages you play through, and like I was talking about, it integrates the best from King of Fighters '94, '95, and King of Fighters '96. Um, you have the option at the very beginning of your playthrough to decide whether you want to go through extra mode or advanced mode. Now, extra mode is based off of uh, King of Fighters 94 and 95, 95 mostly. You've got power gauges in this thing. You've got three power gauges. Um, the extra mode, your power gauge is filled up by manually charging it and from defending against attacks, all right? Now, your player will automatically go into a max mode whenever the power gauge is filled or your health bar is almost depleted. Now, only in max mode can you perform your super special moves. And, uh, and very much like King of Fighters 94, you also have a dodge mechanic. Now, this is basically like, um, it's kind of like a, a 2.5D dip off of screen, kind of, to get away from the get away from the oncoming attack. And if you play advanced mode, you actually, your power gauges, you still have your power gauges, but um, whenever you strike your enemy, that's how you, um, you, you fill up your power gauge. All right? Now... 
your three power gauges are once you got them all powered up you can perform super special moves of course but you can also go into max mode again and the max mode for the advanced mode allows the players uh, defensive and offensive strength to just like double easily so you can you can really just do some damage to the enemy once you get that high up um, as well, Advanced Mode uses the uh, roll mechanic from King of Fighters 96. So you'll actually roll from the enemy, roll towards the enemy. It's, it, it allows for multiple play styles. And if you're a friend, of, if you're a uh, fan of fighters like myself, I love the Street Fighter series. I love the Dead or Alive series. Um, I'm not too big into Tekken, but I also, but I have the arcade stick for the PS3. Um, but King of Fighters is a very, very particular series. Um, and it's probably the best ported version on the Saturn. The, I'm pretty certain that was a PlayStation model, but it, it's just not that great. Not in comparison, at least. And King of Fighters 95, the import will cost you $25 USD shipped to your house from eBay, at least if you're here in the States. So that right there is going to be my number third pick. Okay, I'm, I'm glad you put the uh, King of Fighters in there. It's a, a series that I'm just beginning to explore. <clears throat> I was sent 95 and 96 by Daniel Turner from the Facebook group. Lovely Daniel, one of our uh, admins there. Um, my next game, my last game, is also going to be a 2D fighter. Um, another Capcom one this time. And I, I wanted to say that we could have, or I could have, sorry, picked so many Capcom games. Um, it's, it's a genre that I only began to really explore last year. Uh, again, embarrassingly, perhaps. Um, and there are so many Capcom games, um, X-Men Children of the Atom and, and X-Men versus Street Fighter and um, Street Fighter the movie. Actually, hang on, don't scratch that, not Street Fighter the movie. There are just so many games from Capcom. The, the one I'm going to choose for my uh, last choice is Darkstalkers 3 or Vampire Savior. And it's, um, I guess, what you might call the horror-themed uh, fighting game so that each of the characters are uh, kind of based around a horror archetype. You've got a, a creature from the back, Black Lagoon type of uh, character. You've got a Sasquatch, a mummy. Uh, you've got um, someone who is, I guess, what you would call a zombie. But he looks a little bit like Eddie from, from Iron Maiden. Uh, Lord Raptor, his name is. Uh, so he's a kind of zombie or a ghoul. You've got... Um, a vampire, uh, Morrigan, who is a vampire with bat wings growing out of her head. You've got um, Felicia, who's a sort of voluptuous catwoman. And then um, you've got Heisenko, who's a, a sort of strange, uh, I don't know what you would call it, a vampire ghost with big metal hands. Um, but anyway, my favourite character from that is not a horror archetype, it's a fairy tale archetype, because uh, there is a creature in it, or a character, sorry, um, called E.B. Uh, I've done it again. I've, I've, I've forgotten what her name is. Um, but she's like Little Red Riding Hood. She has a, um, a machine gun. And um, basically, she sort of uh, whips the machine gun out when she's uh, in the middle of her fighting style. That's one of her special moves. I will remember B.B. Hood. I'm so sorry for forgetting that. B.B. Hood is her name. So yeah, she's like Little Red Riding Hood, and it's it's just bizarre. Not only are the characters bizarre that you fight with, but uh, the actual backgrounds are some of the best settings for any game I've seen, and they are very trippy, very weird. Um, 
the whole game has a sort of, I guess you could say, a Halloween feel to it. And in fact, uh, it was a game that I, I wrote about at Halloween on the uh, Junkyard blog. Um, because, as I say, everyone is, is a horror archetype in it. Um, but it's just, as as all Capcom 2D fighters, it's just a pleasure to play. It's, it's what you might call... Uh, and I think this is a cliche that we say very often, but it's uh, easy to pick up and play, but difficult to master. Um, and its its graphics are fantastic. This is one of the things that I think um, I, I've said in the past, I think 2D fighters, their graphics have stood the test of time a lot better than the 3D fighters on the Saturn. Um, and it's a beautiful looking game. It's fun to play. It's It's quirky. Um, and it's not too expensive either um, <clears throat> to get a copy of this off eBay will cost you about £16 <clears throat> so that's about $20 I think um, or twenty or less than that in euros 18 euros something like that um, and it's 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 just a really fun game um, so yeah that's my last one I've, I've kind of bookended each of my choices with a, a 2D fighter and yeah, I still, I'd still like to point out that with all of my games tonight, I'm coming in at about eighty pounds. So if you add that to the fifteen pound from last time, my sort of what are we up to now? Eight choices, and we're still under a hundred pounds. So I've got a hundred pounds to spend in the final podcast that we do on this subject. So uh, I still say I'm winning, guys, winning all the way. Yes, <laughs> yes, you, you've got, you've got to speed on that. <laughs> Yeah, I think I like barely got all of mine under $200 for this one, or for these seven picks. Um, which I guess that leads me to my final one, um, and that will be a game that uh, I covered a little bit on, um, I think, uh, in one of our YouTube videos a couple weeks back. We also had a weekly challenge for it uh, a couple months ago, and that is uh, the snowboarding game Steep Slope Sliders. And... Uh, it's just, I guess the best I can explain it, I mean, it's a, it's quite a bit, I know it'll draw a lot of comparisons with um, with the Cool Border series, but to me it's a very different game. Um, it, it generally takes a more laissez-faire like approach where rather than forcing you to uh, maneuver, you know, narrow uh, corridors or narrow courses with set trick points, this game really lets you just trick wherever you want and on with whatever opportunities for small ramps or or just weird drops or, or however you want to however you want to pull that stuff off and you can just do like crazy spins and flips and grabs and and it's really easy to do all of that it's it's quite a lot of fun um and honestly uh i don't know i mean there really isn't too much uh, to say or too much in depth that I, I'll go into that I didn't go into in my uh, video on it, but um, um, there's just you know quite a few courses that are uh, spread across the world, including a Russia course, a, a U.S. course, a Japan course, a New Zealand course, um, and there's a whole bunch of different riders you can pick from, including a lot of wacky hidden ones like an alien and a um, and a spaceship and a rocket ship and a ufo and an anime girl which uh, are kind of quirky but uh, just everything from the atmosphere the or the the presentation the music um everything works really well in this game to to really make a fun um experience uh one of the issues i will say is that it doesn't it has pr a pretty loose 
gameplay structure and that it doesn't have a tournament or a championship mode or or any sort of career mode to progress through um and so you're you're really kind of the the onus is on the player to find their own motivation to just come back to each course and try to beat their trick scores or their best uh times um and and so you know that it, that is a little bit disappointing that it doesn't have a a structured mode to really kind of draw you in to to commit to uh progressing towards a a uh you know full campaign um but otherwise it's it's a really fun game it's it, the japanese version is very cheap and uh i highly recommend it hey brian do the voice do the voice from the video <laughs> hell no <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, Lordy. All right, y'all. Oh, my final pick, as uh, Simon has already alluded, is The Sleeper. That if you, ever, <laughs> if you ever see a comment on anything where I say The Sleeper, just look for SimCity 2000. Yes, SimCity 2000. Everybody's like, okay, I'm done with it. I can't deal with it. This guy likes this stupid game. Now, hold up, hold up. Let me give you a little backstory first, all right? So growing up in the 90s, we had uh, we had gateway computers at school, and one of the very few games we had, because they all had to be educational of some sorts or another, was SimCity 2000. Now, that was amazing. So whenever I finally picked up the Saturn, I wanted to be able to play it at home. And guess what? Very there it is, right there, SimCity 2000. I saw it on the shelf. In fact, I still have my copy, and it was used, and it was forty dollars. Okay, that forty dollars back then. That that's crazy. Okay. But the game itself nowadays, you can pick it up for $25 USD, or if you want to, you can pick it up for easily as $10 USD um, from a Japanese copy. Of course, playability is a little bit different, but everybody knows what SimCity is, okay? You're building cities, you're managing your cities, you're managing resources, you're trying to keep your people happy, and everything's supposed to work out great. Um, the biggest differences with the Saturn port, and this is where I have to be honest about it, um, some of the disasters from the game have been omitted, whereas the PlayStation version still has them. Um, also, the Saturn version has a new intro, if that you know entices you any. The, the game does, it, it runs slower than the PlayStation port. It has longer load times, like a lot, of, a lot of games that were ported from the PlayStation or had ports on both the PlayStation and the Saturn, it does have the longer load time issues. But... It has higher quality audio and sound effects than the PlayStation port. It also has exclusive buildings, such as the Sonic the Hedgehog statue that I absolutely love. And the PlayStation ain't got that, so all y'all PlayStation fanboys can go to hell. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying, they ain't got Sonic. I don't care about your Crash Bandicoot. I got the fast hedgehog, dude. Zoom, zoom. Um, the, 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 the biggest issue with the game, though, that is the memory, okay? I ain't even gonna lie to you. Your city save files are ridiculously large. If you do not have a backup memory cart, you are going to use up every block of space almost on the internal battery. It is ridiculous. Um, Playability-wise, you're gonna have some frame rate issues. It, it, to me, it's, it's a very enjoyable game if you can step past the limitations of the hardware in regards to certain things. And it's not really a limitation of the hardware. It's really, the, well, to a certain degree it is. But it's also the limitations of the port. The port wasn't a very good port. 
But if you add all of my games up after all that's said and done, you are looking at all Japanese imports, you're looking at $180 total. Now, if you pick up Gun Griffin and SimCity in their U.S. variants, you're looking at $240 total, which does go over the $200 budget that we talked about to begin with. But you're still picking up seven very fun, very entertaining titles. Some of them you have to kind of walk past a little bit and you have to you know, appreciate them for what they are, not necessarily what you wanted them to be. But there's some really good titles in there. I mean, mine was Biohazard, $20, Darius Gaiden for $45, Dead or Alive for $20, Guardian Heroes, $45, Gun Griffin, $15 for the Japanese, King of Fighters, $97, $25, and SimCity for $10. I mean, if you're just getting started in the Saturn and you want some retail copies, that's a really good list as far as I'm concerned. I agree with that. Alright, so, with all that out of the way, now that we know that Simon has irreparably reamed us and has the ability now to go <laughs> buy another Saturn, like, you know, I mean, he's got like four at this point. Um, anybody else got anything they want to talk about before we go ahead and close it out? Just before um, we go, uh, can I just say one thing? Just first of all, a big shout out to Nuno, uh, Nuno Almeida, the fourth podcast uh, person who couldn't be with us he's uh, he's unable to join us tonight so just wanted to give a shout out for him and, and a thank you for all of his excellent work on the YouTube channel and also just to drop a little uh, bombshell at the end of the podcast uh, from me which is that I mentioned at the start of the podcast that um, we've had <clears throat> a thumbs up from Tom Charnock from the Dreamcast Junkyard and uh, we're hoping and I hope I'm not blowing anything by saying this that we might be able to do some sort of joint podcast with us and the Dreamcast Junkyard in the future because we enjoy doing it so much with the uh, Sanshiro guys last time uh, it'd be another mega cast but this one would be with the Dreamcast Junkyard so a little bombshell for the end of the podcast there from me Most and just to say how much I've enjoyed doing it as well I really enjoy doing the budget thing and as you say Sam I'm off to buy a satin now oh my god but yeah, like like Simon was talking about, don't get your hopes up yet. But there is a very good possibility that the uh, the two junkyards might be coming back together. Um, Brian, you got anything for us, brother? Uh, I have nothing. Absolutely <laughs> nothing. Oh, actually, uh, no. I think um, I don't know. We'll let us have to think about what our next podcast will be. But I'm thinking maybe Burning, Burning Rangers. Is that? I think we'll put that on the table. Uh, there, there's there's a possibility for that. There's a possibility for that. Well, uh, I think Brian, there'll be Brian. some opportunities to get the community involved too. So, keep an Brian, eye out for when, that. When you say you got nothing, Brian, you did drop two videos within the last time since we did the uh, New <laughs> Year's podcast. So you haven't exactly got nothing, have you? That's right. Uh, yeah, I guess not. Uh, um, I do have actually another one that may be on the way too, but uh, I gotta, I gotta get a couple of things before for that to happen. All right, gents. Uh, with all that being said. Uh, Glad you stuck around. Glad you hung out with us. Glad you went through all the sludge because sometimes we got a little bit of sludge. We're more down to earth on this podcast. But again, with all that being said, appreciate the viewership. Appreciate the patronage. If you haven't already found the Saturn Junkyard, you can find us on Facebook at these. Well, you can type in the search bar Saturn Junkyard to find the group. The Saturn Junkyard to find the page. You can find us on YouTube at The Saturn Junkyard. If you don't know where to get this podcast from, we're available on iTunes. We're available on Google Play. You can find us at our Buzzsprout page, which is TheSaturnJunkyard.com. Well, that's our Blogspot page. I mean, we're, we're pretty easy to find now. And uh, if you haven't heard of the Shiro guys... 
Go give them a listen. Sega Saturn, comma, Shiro, exclamation point. Excellent podcast. If you haven't heard of the Dreamcast pod, the Dreamcast uh, Dream Pod, I believe it is, go check them out. This is a big community, and we all like to help each other out. So, for me and all the rest of the guys here at the Saturn Junkyard, this has been TitanCast. I'm the Southern Sega Gentleman, signing off.